If you have your Bibles and join me, turning to the Word of God this morning, to the Gospel, you may stand if you'd like in honor of the Word, uh, John chapter 12 and verse 24. Amen. And Jesus spoke this word when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Amen. I want to submit to you just over the next little while this thought, the gains of loss, the gains of loss. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. As I look over this room and, and this wonderful church body, I know that every single person in this house has experienced a form of loss in their life. Amen. I know that there's not one individual that hasn't gone through, be it a great loss, be it a, a, a small loss, whatever it might be, but there's been some difficult times that you and I have had to endure. And I want to present to this church today that God can bring gain through our loss. Amen. God can bring something of beauty. God can bring something of value. God can bring something great in the loss that you and I have endured if we allow him to. Jesus said in his word, he said, except that, that grain of wheat fall into the ground. That word fall he used there simply means, it can also mean fail. Simply means to fall or to fail. Amen. And failure is difficult in our life. Falling is hard in our life. We drop and there's a whoosh, and then there's an impact. And we hit the ground, and there's pain that goes along with that. And, and there's hurt, and, and there's disappointment, and loss can happen in our lives in, in many different forms. It just doesn't have to be failure upon our part. But it can be disappointment that comes into our life. It can be discouragement. It can be a, a time of letdown that, that the person that we believed in has hurt us. It can be a loss of, of confidence in ourselves, a loss of self-esteem. It, it can take place in many forms in our life. It just doesn't have to be one event or one type of event, but all of these things can come against our life and bring pain and bring hurt. But Jesus said in his word, amen, that when we fall, we must die to self. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't know how many uh, amateur gardeners we have in the house today. How many people like to go and plant things and, and make things grow? And Jesus was talking about the law of the harvest. And throughout his word and in many places in the Bible, he used terms of the law of the harvest. Terms like, whatsoever one sows, that will they also reap. Other places where he talked about the seed being sown on the hard ground and, and on the, to fallow ground and onto amongst the weeds and different kinds of, of those laws of, of produce and of the harvest. But in this particular place, he talked about 
the grain falling into the ground and what that process looks like. So I didn't see any hands of anybody that likes to garden today. I got one here, over here, over here. Bless your, bless your hearts, bless your souls. I am not a green thumb person at all, okay? I just want to tell you, um, Bria left a plant with me recently. It was, have you guys ever seen those, those um, weird looking, what are those? A chia pet, okay? She left me her boss's chia pet because she was going out of town for a few days and, and entrusted me to care for the chia pet, okay? And so my routine, my normal day when she's gone is wake up and crack open the laptop and, and, and start to work and bang away on the keyboard. I know it sounds super exciting, and you guys would have like a little peek and view into a normal day for me, and, and it's awesome. But in the midst of going about my busy day and trying to fix dinner for myself, which I also am not a cook. So you're not looking at a very domesticated person at all here. So trying to figure that out while she's gone, I forgot about the ugly little chia pet. Sorry that I used that adjective. I forgot about the chia pet. Uh, the truth comes out, she said, because I, she has not heard this story. And so the thing, I guess, was sitting on a counter somewhere, and it just slipped my mind. And so as I'm getting ready for her return, suddenly a light bulb goes on in my head. And I was like, oh, no, the Chia pet. And this is her boss's pet. I don't know if there's a, a pretty Chia pet, but I know there's lots of ugly ones. And this was one of those. And the worst thing about this pet is it was mocking me because this pet had a full like growth on the back of it but on the front of it it was it was clear and it was smooth as a a pool cue ball if you will and I felt like that thing was was laughing at me and saying this is your future ha 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 and it, it made me all the more not like the thing and so um that last day I rushed and I, I poured you know filled it to the top with water and the the crazy little thing was like as vivacious and vibrant as could all be. I mean, I sat in the window and that thing was springing to life. It's amazing how ugly things in our life have no problem sticking around. Amen. You can't kill them off, right? And that's another, that's kind of like a sub message to this message. Ugly things, you can't kill them off. The beautiful things take some, some care, some TLC, some cultivating, some some growing, and, and I see a couple of you laughing, and I see Josh. Josh taught me a lesson this past year when I went to his house, and Josh, you're going to have to come over and help me now because my grass is turning yellow. It's, it's, it's bad. It's troubled. I don't know. Have you guys started the, the, the grass maintenance season already and, and all of these things? But I learned from Josh that grass has pH balance. I had no idea about this. So Bria's like, what are we going to do about our grass? What are we going to do about our tree? And this is like brand new house, brand new landscape. And so I'm like, dear, just, just give it time. I went, rushed out to Home Depot, bought some, some revive, survive, whatever it takes to, to survive me and trying to apply, trying to get this back. But I'm learning a valuable lesson that these things are not easy to maintain. And I feel like that's how Jesus looks at our lives. He loves us so much. 
And he put so much time into us. And he has developed and cultivated a process in our lives that he said, this is the process that I'm going to have to take you through because I see some things in you. I see some buds and I, and I see some, some bloom and some blossom that I want to spring out. But you got to follow the process that I have laid before you. And so Jesus understood this law and this principle of harvest when he began to describe what I believe is the germination process. Do you all know much about germination? Me neither. So we're in this together. I, I had to look it up a little bit. But um, my, my pseudoscience, don't be afraid. But a germination, that seed gets planted into the ground. And there's something that happens when it gets watered. That shell of that seed begins to swell and on the outside. And as it swells from the moisture, the word that they used here uh, on the internet that I looked at was burst. And that, so that seed will burst and then the nutrients and the moisture will come in and satiate that. And that's where that, that, that fruit will spring from. And it reminded me a lot of baptism. When we, when we go down in those waters, there's a dying process that happens in our life. Amen. Baptism, that name of Jesus is applied over us. And, and, the, and the, the beauty of that baptism, Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And all our Bible quizzers say amen. Amen. No, I'm kidding. But that, that, that death process there in those baptismal waters, what an amazing thing. And to spring forth in newness of life when that, when that water is applied to our lives. Amen. Thank God that he has a plan of salvation. Thank God that he has a way to, that he has made for us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But sometimes what happens to that seed when it falls into the ground, it does not die. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. That shell hardens and solidifies around that grain. Amen. It becomes tough. There's nothing that can penetrate. There's nothing that can get through or, or permeate or, or get into there to, to wake it up. And I can't speak for uh, the women in this room, but I can speak for the guys that it's no coincidence that the term for guys that is used in this state is, is the caveman mode that guys will tend to go into. And you can amen me if you want, guys, or, or if not, you don't have to. But when, when we face pressure, there's something that happens to us. We kind of go into this, this shell-like mode in our lives. The pressure comes on us. The winds blow. The waves crash against our life. And, 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 and we, come, we become very unvocal. We don't want to talk. We don't want to communicate. We recede into the shell. Uh, we, we put up these walls and these barriers around us. Amen. Even the relationships in our lives suffer because, uh, you know, she doesn't know what we're going through. And, and our children try to be there for us. And we block everything out. We block the world out. And we just hunker down 
and that shall around us and try to ride the storm out. But Jesus said, if you do that, if you're not willing to die, he said, you will abide alone. That type of attitude is, is a very lonely lifestyle. It's a lonely way to be. It's, it's, there's nothing that, that can surround you. There's nothing that can help us. Even God himself a lot of times is, is shut out in our lives. How many times have we, we prayed in our prayer in our alone time with God? God, I feel so alone in this trial. Hear me today, church. How many times have we spoken those words in our mind or out loud? God, I feel so alone. There's no help here. This is such a lonely place. And I believe that Jesus is telling his people, if only you will die, die out to me. If only you will die and allow me to work in your life. Paul said in his word, he said, I die daily. In another place, he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Amen. God wants us to be able to, to get to a point where we can humble ourselves and say, God, I need you in my life, God. Lord, I can't do this on my own any longer, God. I'm crying out to you, Jesus. I'm calling out to you, God. Hear my voice right now, God, and come and help me, Lord. I surrender all right now, God. I'm holding nothing back from you because, church, the truth is you or I, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. We won't be able to make it on our own. Hallelujah. It's not our strength that will carry us, but his strength. Almighty God, we've got to get to a point where we can begin to lean upon him. I believe that God wants to speak to some people today some relationships today, some couples today, some singles today maybe in your life. And he wants to encourage you and say, I want to do so much more in your heart than you can even imagine. Amen. If you believe that, put your hands together and thank him right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's a dying place that God takes us to. Going to the Word of God in the Old Testament in a book of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah illustrates this concept when he pins these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple he said, it wasn't until the king died that I was able to see the Lord. This king had been in Isaiah's life most of his adult life. This king had reigned upon the throne for 50 plus years. This was no ordinary king. This was a great king in Uzziah. He took the throne at the age of 16 years old. Imagine that. A lot of our students are in the back room, someone of that age ruling a nation, running things, being king. But this was no ordinary king. This king had uh, devices of war. The Bible says if you, if you study it out that he was able to protect his people from their enemies because he was able to engineer and manufacture mechanical weapons if you can believe that or not, weapons that could, 
that could shoot arrows and launch large stone objects over the walls and provide protection. This was no ordinary king. This was a great king. And Isaiah, alongside this king, chronicled and documented his reign, page over page. It causes me to think today, what reigns in our life? What is king in our life? What is the thing that is, has dwelled so long in our life that, that, that we've become so familiar with it that it's, it's actually eclipsed the glory of God from our view? Hallelujah. What is dominating our thoughts today? Pastor's been preaching an awesome service, a message, a series of messages about how our heart and the things that are lovely and true and pure, how we should dwell on those things. What in our mind is clouding those things out that is allowing the glory of God to be covered up? Isaiah said it wasn't until those things began to fall. It wasn't until those things began to die that I was able to view the Lord in all of his glory, in all of his power. He said, I saw some amazing things. His train filled the temple. He was high and lifted up. God wants to be high and lifted up in our lives, church. God wants to fill up our lives. Amen. God wants to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God wants to demonstrate his beauty in our lives. But we may never witness it if we refuse to die to self. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, above it stood the angels, the seraphims. Each one having six wings, with two he covered his face, two his feet, with two he did fly. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah was witnessing these things for the very first time in his life. He said this, uh, the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Oh, hallelujah, for mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. He said, today I've seen the real king. Today I've witnessed the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Today I've witnessed the creator of all heaven and earth, the Lord of glory in our midst. Can we praise him right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for reigning supreme in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for being Lord over all, God. We want to see you, Jesus, in a new light. We want to see you, God, in a different place place Jesus in our lives oh yes Jesus yes Lord Isaiah humbled himself in that moment he said God I'm broken before you God I'm not worthy hallelujah I've seen you God as you really are verse 6 says then flew one of those seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, 
this has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away and your sin is purged. Hallelujah. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, Lord. Send me. Amen. I believe that God wants to place a new calling on someone's life today. God wants to take away those sins today. Amen. Those heaviness of sin and shame, those chains that are weighing us down, those things that we haven't been able to die to today. God wants to lift those off of our life so that he can bring blessing and power and glory, and honor. He wants to do a work in us, church. But first, we've got to die. First, we've got to say like Isaiah, Oh, Lord, woe is me. I'm unclean. Do a work in me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 34, chapter 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I'm preaching to this church today to tell you, God wants your everything. He wants your all. Amen. He wants nothing left undone, unseen by him. He wants you to give him everything that you've got, 100%. God, I surrender all. There can't be a place for any, a, a tiny bit of resistance. That's what true repentance is, church. I'm talking about repentance today. It's not just saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to try harder. But it's saying, God, I surrender every part of me. Because the God we serve today is a jealous God. Amen. He won't settle for anything less than our very best. Because the enemy, amen, that lives in this world today, all he needs is just an ounce for a placehold in our life. All he needs is just a tiny opening, just a tiny crack in the door for him to work on us, for him to, to be able to tear us down and, and to work on us. And in my workplace, we have a term, and Zeke can probably appreciate this because he works for the same company, but we have a term that's called three nines, four nines, and five nines. And what that means is, reliability of a network. It, re, it, it means availability of a network. And so if a company can, can claim and say, we have five nines reliability, that's amazing. That's off the charts. That's, that's unheard of. If they can claim that, they can get customers because they, they will say, you know, I, I want that type of, of availability on my network in my business. But in God's math, five nines isn't good enough. Amen. 99.999%. That's not enough for God. He says, I want 100% of you. Amen. He says, I, I want you to erase all of you. The, the prophet John said, I must decrease that, I might, that he might increase. Amen. God wants to take us to a place of total repentance in our life. Total dying to self, 100%, not just most of the way, but all of the way with him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us today, God. 
Lord, help me to lay myself down, God, that you might reign. A famous writer by the name of Watchman Nee spoke a quote, and he said, In every man's heart is a throne and a cross. And he said, When man is on the throne, then God is on the cross. He said, but when man is on the cross, then God sits on the throne. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. I believe God is speaking, wanting to minister in this place today. Oh, mighty God, help me, God, to surrender to the cross today. To surrender, God, to the calling that you've called me to, God. To surrender, God, to the death of self, God, and will, Jesus, and selfishness, God, and and personal agenda, God, and personal motive, God, and personal desires, God, to be able to lay those down, God, so that the greater work may be performed in our lives, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, that you might sit on the throne and be Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. When man is on the cross, then God can be on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. A dying out, a a dying to self, a, a dying to will, a dying to whatever it is that is standing in the way of you and God. A lot of people think, you know, that sounds painful, that sounds difficult, that sounds hard. But the Word of God says that the wages of sin is death. What we don't realize is, is, is sin is already leading down a path to a slow death. The book of James says that sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Amen. There's already a death march taking place. It's just that I choose to die for him. I choose to die to live. Hallelujah. I choose to give up. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, but I give it freely. Amen. You and I, we have a choice today to live or to die under Christ. I want to live under him by dying to self. Amen. I want to live under glory. It's amazing that the writer and the, and the man of God could be able to say in his own life, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What Paul was doing, he, he was laying down everything else about himself and his personality. The greatest theo- theologian that ever lived, the greatest writer of the New Testament that we have today, The greatest preacher, some would ever argue, besides Jesus himself, one of the greatest said, I don't know anything but Jesus and him crucified. It's time for us to lay aside our ideologies, our theologies, our our points of contention, our differences, all of these things that go back and forth and just say, God, it's all about you. Jesus, I just want more of you, God. Lord, I want unity with you, God. Harmony with you, God. I want you to take over in my life. That's why Paul said, I am chief of sinners. Above all else, I'm chief of sinners. God, I'm nothing, but you are everything. The Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. 
whatever is in your heart today, I'm trying to, to speak to someone to work it out. Get it out of there. Get it out of there. If it's, if it's bitterness, if it's unforgiveness, if it's contention, if it's strife, hallelujah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. That's why the writer said, he said, for I glory in tribulations. He said, I glory in the hard times. I glory in the difficult times. Romans chapter 5 verse 3, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience experience, experience hope. How can one trouble, glory in trouble and loss when they understand there's a greater work going on? How can one understand, God, how can anything good come out of this storm? How can anything good come out of this trial? When Romans 8, 28 says, for we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I don't know how he's going to work it out, but God wants to bring the good out of our lives. I don't know how he's going to put it all together, but God wants to raise someone up in this place today in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, God. Minister in this house, God. Bless your church, God. You have more than just what we've experienced, God. You've got so much more, so much greater, God, so much more powerful for your people, God, when we allow you to work through the pain and the hurt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I told her I would share this, and I will, uh, because it, it first... Uh, happened in our family years ago, way back when at the age of 12, Bria lost her uncle. Just in his 20s, not the same date of her, her birthday, not too much earlier than we are today in the year. And um, he ran into a tree, and, and that's when tragedy struck. And it wasn't just then, but in our marriage, the earlier years of our marriage, her grandmother, who would be the mother to her, raised her from the age of 10, 10 to 12 and upwards, would fall to cancer and go through that. But it wasn't a, a year later that her aunt a young, beautiful, vivacious woman, uh, working very talented, leading an office of staff, and so on and so forth, succumbed to cancer in her life that very next year and lost her too. And I'm a little broken because whatever hurts her hurts me. As a family, that's how a family is. Whatever hurts that one hurts the other one. And so it wasn't a year after that that her grandfather, grandfather succumbed as well. And so three years in a row in succession, losing important and, and very valuable members of the family falling to the other side, if you will, and witnessing what she had to go through in that time of loss and trial and tribulation and heartache and difficulty and standing by the wayside with no words to say or nothing that could be done to help or ease the pain 
and seeing her faith dip to the lowest point that it had ever been in her entire life and wanting to give up and just wanting to say, I, I can't go on. I've lost too much. Hallelujah. And just being able to see God pull her through all of those things, pull her out and hold her and cradle her and help her. This time of, of, of the valley of the shadow of death, if you will, and to be able to sustain her in a place where she could be used by God today, in a place where she could rise up. And uh, I know of no greater faith than her faith today. How God has turned that situation around and brought that joy instead of mourning, brought that smile back and that laughter back and being stronger than she ever was before. And I glorify God and thank him for what he's able to do through the loss in our life, through the trouble in our life. Hallelujah. And again, this year, losing her mother and approaching life in a different way and approaching death and approaching loss in such a different way and being able to give God everything and say, God, use me. God, I love you. God, I'm still here. God, I'm going nowhere. Nothing can move me because of the strength and the fortitude that has been developed in a life that has endured the trouble and the heartache. Not unlike Job and the story of Job who lost everything. And God said, I can bring about greater in your life. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to bring greater things in our lives. We haven't seen anything yet. Could it be that our greatest moment of pain and loss could be the single most thing that makes the greatest difference in our life? Could it be that, that that place of suffering and pain could be the best thing that ever happened to us? Imagine that. The, the, the worst thing in life could be the best thing that could ever happen to us because God said, Job, I'm going to raise you up again. And whatever you had before isn't going to be able to compare with what you're going to have going forward. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. It shall not be able to compare this suffering is just a small uh, uh, amount compared to what God will bring about. It was echoed in David's life when he went from nothing. Pastor talked about this last Sunday. I want to borrow it again because it was so good. Amen. Pastor preaches so good. I, I'm going to tag on and, and instill a couple of his, uh, his thoughts. But, but David was the son of the forgotten. Not even his own father called him out to the field to stand before the prophets. Your own parents didn't care enough to bring you out. The son of the forgotten, all alone in that place. God made him king of a great nation. There might be those who, who feel forgotten 
left out by the wayside, looked over, bypassed. You're the person that God is speaking to today. Gideon reflected in this, life, in the, in this uh, passage and, and in this example when he hid beside the, the farm equipment and the, and the farm buildings on his property. Gideon hiding away. Hallelujah. The hiding hero, I would call him, because he had nothing. He hid. He was afraid. He was down to zero. Hallelujah. Sometimes our lives have to get to ground zero in our relationship with God before he can take us up and make us who he really wants us to be. Hallelujah. Jacob, in his wrestling with God, in his struggling with the angel of the Lord all night long, back and forth, toiling, struggling, losing the very uh, ligaments in his joints that kept him upright in that fight, only to walk away, or should I say limp away, a changed man. Because God said, I've given you a new name. No longer are you Jacob. No longer are you the, the supplanter. No longer are you the deceiver. But now you are Israel, which means God will prevail.